0: to the modern maker podcast for thursday october 28th i said the wrong day last week 2021 and since i said the wrong day last week i said the 28th last week and i gave the holiday for that day we're gonna jump back in time because we don't want to skip the 21st the rightful heir to the holiday the national holiday so happy national pumpkin cheesecake day
1: Awesome. Wow. It's even closer to Thanksgiving I know. than the original yeah, holiday. Little, so how like, fitting. It's a
0: little premature, I think, October 21st. Not even November yet, We're all you doing pumpkin pie.
1: No, a lot of sweet treats around here. Ever since Sweetest Day, it's been all about tasty food.
0: You know If I had to wager, I would say that sweet treats probably have the market cornered on national holidays. I bet you that's what the most yeah. national holidays fall under some sort of sweet
2: yeah they benefit and from even
0: the holidays and
2: excuses
0: yeah like i guess yes. i will have some pumpkin and cheesecake
1: and then every holiday that's not related to ha- to having sweets you kind of use that as a way of celebrating anyways yeah you
0: cram it in easter jesus came back alive let's have some peeps
1: well yeah but it's okay we'll hide it and people <laughs> find it
0: <laughs> i wonder what egg.
2: percentage of all the candy that gets sold in america gets sold on halloween oh man it's it's probably not the majority but it's probably a decent percentage
0: it's got to be a good spike
2: probably a large share of the fun size market for sure yeah i would guess <laughs> it's like maybe like eight to ten percent
0: that's not, it's a that lot i bet i would legit.
2: be it's worth a goog nah, it's worth it's a google more, maybe 20 or 30 because it's a lot hey, of candy you know what else is
1: it is a lot of candy you know what else is worth looking into? And it's the Rockler Hobby Challenge. And That's we are sweet. highlighting a project every week. It's what we're doing to showcase the people who are participating. Mm. So are you guys interested in going first? I know who I want to sh- shout out, but what about you guys? Yes, yeah, I got
2: a good I, one. I got mine too. In lieu of all of my recent upcycling projects, I thought I would shout out something kind of in the same vein. And it's by Woodchip Works, but works with a W-E-R-K-S. Mm -hmm. He turned a piano, like one of the big grand pianos, into a liquor cabinet. Used a 1885 Heitzman piano, kind of hollowed it out, kept some of the innards. And yeah, he turned it into this really cool liquor cabinet. And I don't know, I I think it's like the perfect liquor cabinet kind of thing because liquor isn't exactly necessary. So if you're going to do something to hold it, might as well have a little fun with it and be novel. Also, some of those old pianos, they're they're not that hard to find for free. Like if you go on like Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and look for like free piano, in major cities, it's often not that hard to find a free one as long as you move it. So if you have a big truck and a crew of people or equipment to kind of rig it up, you know, get yourself one and, and turn it into something fun.
0: Yeah, it might. Old piano might be, might take the cake for item most frequently the, the item that people most frequently say about it if you can get it out of here it's yours yeah oh yeah it probably falls into that category a lot
1: yeah they really are so heavy the the cast pieces for the middle that all of the strings are on that is one gigantic piece of metal
2: it's super oh, heavy that's right you helped rachel install one as a piece of art on the wall right mike
1: Yeah. The two of us were barely able to lift it on the wall. Granted, we were on ladders trying to do it, but shout out French
0: cleats.
1: (laughs) Shout out to the French cleat system. They work. Nice.
2: What do you guys Uh,
0: got? Here, I'll go real quick. So mine comes from Davermaid, which is a name that I don't recognize from before. Like Chip Woodwork, I recognize from before. At least I know he was in the desk challenge. He did that one where it was kind of like transformational and it looked like a big like cabinet or something until it turned into a desk. But anyway, this guy he's making right. he calls it a the Volca Moog, but it's like a basically like a board with a Moog. So not Mood board, but Moog Borg. Like the instrument, the old synthesizers from like the 70s or 80s or maybe the 60s. I don't even know when they're from. But I'm excited to see it. So the piece itself looks really cool. You can go check it out. He's already got his beauty shots up, but he says he's working on a YouTube video for it. And he's gonna do all the music for it as well, because I guess that's like his main hobby, obviously, is is music. So I'm excited to to check it out and and hear what he's playing with this moog, Volca moog.
1: I'm very excited for it. I remember last year there was somebody that fleshed out our theme song in a more like rock style with like drums and a guitar and stuff like that. I'm not asking anybody (laughs) to like the
0: Moog version.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not asking for that, but I think it's so cool, like when people write their own score for a video or something like that. That's very fun.
0: You know, if somebody does do our theme song in the future, I would like to hear them come up with lyrics and sing it. Ooh,
1: that would be pretty dang <laughs> I cool. I want to hear those
0: lyrics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be great. That might just become the theme song if it's good. <laughs>
0: yeah. We
1: need lyrics That just to takes the them place and becomes our new th- show. Yeah. Okay, can I go? Yeah, go for it. Okay. My shout out this week is for at Shoshin Woodworking. So last week I built a turntable cabinet as my Rockler Hobby Challenge entry, and they put out their Rockler Hobby Challenge entry, which is some custom built speakers. Really nice. And they are this really awesome avocado or teardrop shape Mm -hmm. that you just don't really see. I think this would make an awesome product, but I'm saying I don't really see speakers like this in such cool shapes very often.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's. Sounds like it would be really whimsical looking, and there is a bit of whimsy to it, but it's actually mostly, I would say, upscale looking.
1: Right, and one of the details that he did that I think are particularly cool is, you know the tweed speaker cover cloth that you would see on a guitar amplifier or speakers all the time? He used this in the same teardrop shape, but the frame that it's in is offset from the speaker by about a half of an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch, but you can see that reveal from the edge. It's basically a floating grill cloth over the speaker. And so it's just a really cool small detail that goes a long way. So one more big shout out, if you're interested in knowing how to spell it, it is S-H-O-S-H-I-N Woodworking
2: on Instagram. Or just click on the hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge, and you can see all of them. And shout out. There are. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Feel free to contribute your own
1: yeah there's still Please plenty do. of time all right guys so what's going on in your workshop what's going on in your world go for it bud. i
2: just finished this modular concrete planter the kind of crazy geometry one with all the circles so yeah. just finished installing it looks great put the plants in working with plants is always just like one extra messy step you're like okay yeah i'm done and then you're like oh crap i gotta go stage it and get a sack of dirt and and do all that so got some nice looking plants in it took some photos and should have that out in a couple weeks or so i'm actually getting ready to travel i'll be heading to mexico city tomorrow to uh for my boy andrew schultz's bachelor party so
0: should be a kind
2: of a sketchy one i mean mexico city's Pretty incredible from what I hear, but it should be a rowdy, uh, group. But other than that, I made actually, I've been experimenting with a few different things. One of the things I've been working on lately is skim coating concrete. And Mike, I think that's one of the first projects you ever did where you skim coated a door Yeah, and you made like concrete countertops for like an outdoor kind of like, you know, grilling kind of station. And you Did you trowel that on or did you just pour it and self-level?
1: I, I hand troweled it. So I poured it onto the countertop and then I just troweled it out and smoothed everything.
2: So I had recently redone a floor where I used the Quickcrete self-leveling concrete. So you mix it up in the bucket with a paddle mixer and it's a pretty watery concrete and you just pour it on and it kind of self-levels. It was a kind of a disaster on the first go and then I got it on the second time. But... I noticed that there's a really cool pattern that you can get when you sort of pour the different buckets that they almost, when the two buckets crash into each other, it creates like a scalloped type pattern that looks like waves or something like that. It looks like waves on the beach or the imprint that waves leave on the sand, these kind of scalloped curves. So I want to try that with a table. So I just got a solid core door, put some of uh, Chris's spider legs on it. So we're yeah. talking, you know, 15 minutes max using the semi-exact spider legs. But I was reading a lot of the reviews of people using that, you know, that that self-leveling concrete. And you only – you pour it like about a quarter to three-eighths of an inch thick. So it cracks a lot. And I've seen people try to do it and they all had it sort of crack or flake off in pieces. But what I what I tried was a little bit different in addition to using the kind of acrylic bonding primer – I got a whole bunch of fiberglass tape. You know, like the drywall tape? Well, they make a kind hmm. that's actually for concrete, for cement board. I guess the fiberglass, the alkaline nature of the concrete can dissolve it or or wear it out. The brand is called fiber yeah. tape, right? Yeah, so I got the fiber tape. I coated the whole top of the door with the fiber tape. It took like 15 minutes. Super easy. Doesn't have to be straight. And then I poured about, about three-eighths of an inch thick coat of concrete over the top. The table has a little bit of flex. It's not cracking, and I think it's because of the fiber. Wow. Well, the, the 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 fiberglass tape. You know, it's a pretty. It's about eighth of an inch to a quarter inch grid. It kept, even though the concrete was pretty liquid, it kept it from flowing too fast because it gave the surface a texture, and so that let it build up kind of thicker. And then it created like a quarter inch on top of the eighth inch that it used to cover the tape. So it worked out really well. I should have figured out a different way to kind of do the edge a little bit different, but still still got it all done. And I tinted it and it kind of looks like this like marble thing. I I mixed up one 50 pound bag, then dumped that bucket into another bucket. So I had, you know, two 25 pound buckets full of mixed concrete, put a little pigment on one. And then just was scooping it up with a cup and then pouring it and kind of marbling and mm. and creating that. So it worked really well. And now I'm kind of thinking I could probably even, if I mix it thicker, do this on curved surfaces. So now I can make these kind of lighter weight concrete panels that are kind of like, you know, full door sized. And I don't know if I want to like clad something with a really – I might try it as like a shower surround or – or something like that, and just really, you know, put a an acrylic sealer and all that. But uh it definitely start. I don't know if it gave me ideas. It started some ideas because it was a pretty easy process.
0: Nice,
1: nice. And so, what kind of concrete are you using? Is it the same self-leveler yeah, the self leveler as you would use on a floor, yeah, or a different? The, p- it's the quick okay, self leveling exactly. concrete. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. To see. That's cool to hear.
0: Okay money i'll be i'll be quick this week because i haven't done that much new since we last spoke so i already kind of talked about that i don't know how i would say it's like a gimmick with a practical application so that like leveling a table leg using epoxy but then taking Mm -hmm. it a step further and making it float so i got that all finished up i will say that the practical version of it is actually pretty practical like it worked very well it's not hard to do at all
1: and this is the scenario where you just need to add a little sliver to the bottom of one foot. Exactly.
0: But what did the floating look look so like? The fl- was it worthwhile? Okay, so I did it and it worked, but it's... Okay. Now, I purposely gave myself like the hardest kind of setting that I could think of in terms of the shape that I was having to then recreate and like not having a lot of room to like, you know, get in there with like a grinder and shape things after. So I, I purposely made it like I painted myself into a corner, but I was still able to get it work to work, but it's obviously kind of like a gimmicky artsy kind of piece or whatever. So it's like, yes, it technically works. Will I be doing it again? Probably not. Like oh, okay. it was fun to do. So it's not the time. coolest. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's like, cool. you really got a cool idea for like, Oh, I, I want to have this, you know, clear colored or, or whatever with epoxy. You know, you can have something floating in it or a semi opaque red or what you know whatever you could get creative with it and it could definitely take a very plain looking piece and make the bottom of the foot or like you know the last two inches of the foot or whatever be the star of the show which kind of seems like a weird place to be the star of the show normally it's gonna be like the tabletop or something but i don't know it flips that idea on its head i guess so yeah it was like definitely (laughs) worth the time that i spent doing it Nice to see the the practical part actually was practical, but the gimmick part is kind of a gimmick. So I guess I just confirmed what I assumed going into it, but fun doing it along the way. But then other, so yeah, now I'm kind of in editing mode. I'm in, I should be in the next couple of days getting a set of those spider legs. So hopefully in the not too distant future, I'll be able to get cracking on that build which was finally i know i I have already done one in fairness i have done one with the spider table legs but this one's going to be a little more repetitive and limited tool i'm going to go for like just like router jigsaw drill and so it can be this like very complex unique coffee table bench thing that somebody could potentially build but you don't really need very many tools for it so
2: i'm still waiting for somebody to do something with the actual angle like using them as like a bracket for mm. attaching plywood or something someone's going to do something like that use it for like a bracket for a headboard or or, or yeah. something
0: yeah yeah you could have it like where it like follows that angle and like extends up or something for sure yeah what were you gonna say mike
1: oh i was just gonna say you, you described your like basic tool palette as jigsaw router and drills yep. Is that is there a saw included there? Jig. Other than the
0: jigsaw? No, I mean, you could to like speed things up, I guess. But I want to just show like this will be, like be a very Benny of, type project yeah. where it's like this one shape and you just like repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And the one shape yeah. by itself might not be that cool. But like when you see it all come together, it makes sense.
2: I was thinking about doing a jigsaw based projects because I was testing yeah. it out. And one, I think a jigsaw is a is a tool that a lot of people feel is safe, even mm-hmm. though it's kind of like rattly and weird and a little bit janky.
1: Yeah, it's a little less intimidating than a circular mm-hmm. saw is. But
2: I tried using a a jigsaw on a st- with a straight edge clamped down with the jig, you know, just sliding it along the straight edge. Yeah. It cuts pretty straight. Like it's still a little bit, you know, a little bit of a there's a little tear out and those kind of kind of roughness. Things with a jigsaw blade, but if they made like a, like a fat blade for it and you used a straight edge, if it had like a like sort of a reciprocating saw blade, you know where it's about almost like yeah, an yeah, inch yeah, yeah. wide, just like a short, short stubby
0: you, reciproc- reciprocating right.
2: saw. I, I always wonder like why they don't make like a like a jigsaw blade that looks almost like a Japanese handsaw yeah. blade that's like kind of wide but super thin.
0: Yeah, yeah, because, so just like an automatic Japanese pool saw.
2: Right, and it could even have a stiffener if it was so, if it was like three inches deep, but if you were cutting like, okay, so when I made that that table commission, I had to cut my half lap sort of joints using the jigsaw. And so, you know, it's an inch and three quarters thick, so I, I cut from one side inside the line, flipped it over and cut from the other side because the blade tends to drift a little bit. But if I had like a, just a three inch deep jigsaw blade with like a spine on the back. I only need to go in two inches. So, you know, it, it could have, I feel like there's some innovation that could happen with jigsaw blades.
1: I think what we're circling circ, Wow. I think what we're circular. Whoa. Okay. Circling what word am around? I circling circling? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to go circular with it. Circular saw was on the brain. <laughs> what we're circling around is the idea of cutting straight lines with the jigsaw. Right. Because every blade is short enough to accommodate being able to do a pretty tight radius. But if you're cutting half lap joints with a jigsaw, even if it doesn't have a spine, just having a longer, not necessarily longer, I'm sorry, a wider blade would just give it enough reference surface that it wouldn't want to deflect as easily or just being a little bit more heavy duty, even with or without a spine. I think you could get really straight, you know through cuts if you're using a long straight edge, half lap joints like what you're talking about, but you would have to switch out the blade as soon as you want to cut a curve. But I do like the idea of dedicated straight cut jigsaw blades. Also,
2: is there a tool that's easier to switch
0: the blade? Well, that's true. It is a pretty easy That's the easy whole point that I was going to get at. It's so
1: easy. That is the secret to the whole thing. Even easier than the multi-tools, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the oscillating multi-tools? Yeah. Usually those you use an Allen key to loosen. These you just slide the collar
2: and swap it. All right. Just give a
0: little twist. A little twist and up, pool. Diablo.
2: We got ideas for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey. A- All right. Uh, Mike, what are you working oh, on? Oh, what am I up yeah. to,
1: guys? Oh, man. Record Well, player. I've got so much to share. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I think I talked about it last week. A yeah. record media console storage station. That video should be up by the time this episode is live. So be sure to check it out. I'm very excited about this project because I just realized melamine is furniture worthy. Not only is it the only piece of plywood or sheet good out there other than MDF that's under $40, but the finish is baked in. So you sort of have a new role or a new responsibility rather than just like cutting and knowing that it's going to get painted and covered. You've got to be careful throughout the whole build process. So I used masking tape on all of my cuts Normally, when I'm working with plywood, I'm walking on the plywood between cuts. But I was just extra safe and extra careful and got really, really clean edges. I was able to use a random orbit sander on all of the inside corners of the case where the records are stored. And I was able to get a really gentle radius just with just by hand with the random orbit sander. But then I used the router with a 3 inch round over bit on all of the outside edges of the case and everywhere else that was a tabletop. And it looked fantastic. It made a little bit of a reveal on, the, on that, because of the rounded edge, it kind of gave this cool reveal to the laminate face. You got to see a little bit of the particle board wrap over the tabletop before the melamine started, you know, being that white surface. So all in all, melamine had been something that I was curious about. I mean, we've all used it for a form one at one point or another, but i don't think i don't I don't know if it's been something that you guys have considered, but I've always kind of thought of using it here or there, but never had the right application and I think this one kind of
2: came out pretty cool. Aesthetics are subjective, right like there's nothing yeah, and it has a practical use it's an inexpensive material that's really hard to dent on the flat surfaces and somewhat vulnerable on the sides and so people edge band it but edge banding is always to me feels like so inherently dishonest even when it's like plywood i like (laughs) the exposed edges but that's my own sort of subjective point of view so i have to admit like when i first saw you doing it i was like what Uh, you just use what's what's it gonna do to the edges and then i was like oh it actually kind of has a nice contrast the white with that kind of orangish wood and as long as you kind of seal it up i thought it it made me interested in using a kind of like wood putty and then kind of just a light sanding like almost making like a silicone squeegee or something that was the shape of the radius that you could just really like push the wood putty in but not have it caked up too hard and then just kind of hand sand it but no it 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 looks it looks it looks super pro. Like it looks like an intentional thing. It doesn't look like a a left off thing. And I think the the radius and then the care with the taping up the joints was was really the key.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like you know the word contemporary.
2: Yeah, I've heard of it.
1: I think it's a pretty contemporary move.
2: Yeah, it's 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 funny too. Like I st- one of these days I'm gonna have to make the the video of just what I look at when I'm on Pinterest because right. There's the kind of like YouTube woodworking, which has some pretty adventurous stuff, some really beginner stuff, everything in between, some super pro woodworking. It, it's got a lot. What it doesn't really have is the actual kind of like furniture making that sells for the most money, which is gallery furniture, like the stuff like my right. buddy uh, Sebastian does. And it's almost because it's like too contemporary. It's like couture fashion like it's the stuff on the runway is just not quite ready to wear or it's not quite ready for retail and the youtube audience is much more into kind of retail kind of a consideration of design mm-hmm. but when i when you when i see things like that i'm like oh that's like a move i would see at like some super trendy like hotel like like the Ace Hotel would do something like that or I'd see that some sort of super trendy like furniture store or in an art gallery, so.
1: I appreciate it, man, big time. It's just one of those things where whenever I was thinking of the idea, I was, it, there's some of those ideas where I'm like, wow, this is Pinteresting. And that's what I always <laughs> think when I, it's that kind of like, it's furniture design, but it's it's gallery, it's looking to be, get attention in a gallery. I think
0: you should uh, you should do all the furniture for your house that way because you got, the outside of your house is white and it's sitting within this like orangey desert. And then yeah. the the furniture can be all white on the outside. And then all the innards are that orangey. It's like just keeps repeating.
2: The, yeah, I was. Oh, go for it. The other thing that it made me think of, Mike, was, I mean, have you ever been to like a Outside of a college at the end of a of a year when they're kind of turning over the dorms and they're just throwing out melamine like furniture they're throwing out cheap
0: oh, Ikea furniture harvest.
2: by the dumpster full so yes, what I think was interesting about what you're doing is that that's a material type that's more readily available than pallets like you can <laughs> go behind any office building and they're throwing out some sort of you know laminate particle board with melamine on it for file cabinets desktops you know those those crappy desks that have the sort of you know drawers so much furniture gets thrown out every day that's made out of boards that are still really flat that are still really durable they just have particle board in between so yeah there's a there's a furniture designer who i think kind of encapsulates a little bit what i'm talking about his name's piet hein (laughs) eek so it's oh i can spell that easy p-i-e-t underscore h-e-i-n and then he should pop up he does this stuff that like it looks it's like high-end furniture that sells for a ton but it looks very like kind of patchwork quiltish but it has a it has a real aesthetic i sent it to your instagram mike Awesome, Chris, have you seen him stuff his stuff I, before?
0: I just Google imaged him. Yeah, I'm he does some really nice
2: chairs where they're made out of kind of like, he'll get a bunch of like wood crates that are painted different colors and then just make a chair out of the pieces but leave the paint so it has that kind of like patchwork aesthetic. Yeah. But that's what it kind of, what your sort of cabinet reminded me of. It was like something where, hey, this is just the natural state of the material. I'm going to make something nice out of it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's I like appreciate this is in my it. refrigerator. I'm going to make a great meal out of this. Sure. (laughs) Mac and cheese and tater tots don't normally go together, but they're delicious. Yeah.
1: And I was trying to take an approach of what if I had a CNC Yeah, and I was doing some sort of like flat pack design where... Everything needed to be able to be carved out with a router and needed to have positive stops and come out of a piece of material that already had finished. So whether it was pre-finished plywood or this melamine like what I used, something that you could put on a CNC, carve out and then like ship out as a product, but still have unique features. And so I did a couple of neat things. I found these rubber feet that you would put underneath a washing or a drying machine so it's basically just a two inch thick rubber foot that's about three inches in diameter and i use these to like raise the platform that the turntable sets on off of the case so that any vibration that's coming from the floor doesn't transfer onto your turntable which is good it's just good to isolate it but I carved out these cool little positive stops that they all set on so I don't have to have any fasteners so you don't get that vibration transfer. And then I used the router with this bullnose bit to carve out grooves that records can sit on and then lean against the wall into the tabletop. And it's like all these neat things where... I imagine these are things you would think of if you were planning on using a CNC, but this is why I was intrigued, Chris, when you were talking about using a jigsaw, a router, and a drill, because I used a circular saw, a router, and a drill in this, but Mm -hmm. the router played such a key component in doing all of these carvings, doing all of the profiling, which really gave it the kind of key look that it has, so... I like your approach. You use the router so much oh, in all of your template making and everything like this. So for you bringing in the router is like bringing in a circular saw for me or for it or for Ben, you know. Yeah.
0: Anytime there's curves I'm I'm routing baby
1: I'm really excited to see it, and it's kind of cool. We kind of all have common themes. That concrete planner that you did, Ben, I know you kind of breezed through it at the beginning of the episode, yeah. the, the one, it kind of reminds me of the, the paver blocks that you did a, a yeah. little while back. I think it's one of those instant classics. I think it's a very cool project. I think it's real neat the way that you can get these tiered planners out of like, what do you have? Three different shapes? Mm-hmm. It's only three different shapes, but you've got what 30 pieces. So they transform it together in a cool way. So you can repurpose the same mold a lot of times.
0: You know, fun
2: with geometry.
0: To to go back to, you just reminded me of when we were talking about it last night, but the bull nose bit. And then remember, I was talking about how I did like dados basically using that and then rounded shelves that fit into them. So did that end up working yeah, good? It, it worked fine. Awesome. But I will say the part that, was challenging compared to a normal one is when I went to put everything together to do a dry assembly, how much harder it is to get everything to stay together. So normally if you cut a regular data and you have <laughs> like a square piece or, you know, a a square edge that you're putting in there, there's a lot of friction. So you kind of have to like, you know, pound it together or whatever. And it holds itself together while you're putting other things in and clamping things up. But this there's, there's no friction because everything's rounded so it really doesn't stay together until there's either glue or something forcing it to hold it itself. So like I was very like precariously clamping it up and, and I got a good shot of me doing it on video, but like I'm getting it all like set up and then like I go to tilt the whole thing up and like literally it all just falls apart in my hands. Like where Slippin I'm like left side. holding just like of cards. two legs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it it's like, was like straight out of like central casting of like clumsy carpenter or something. So Yeah. Then like I had to get a little bit creative and like basically make extra sets of hands for myself. It worked like that. Actually, I would say is probably the biggest takeaway from that project of something that I will incorporate into a nicer piece of furniture.
1: I think it's a really cool detail. I've seen it for drawer slides, but you could take it so many different places knowing it's just a bullnose router bit. You know, it's not anything too crazy as long as you can get the round stock.
0: Yeah. Or, awesome. or cut a round right. edge on your shelf.
2: All right. Well, that's what we're working on. And it's brought to you by SawStop. SawStop makes awesome Ooh. table saws. They're safe. They'll cut just about anything, but they won't cut hot dogs. And the reason they won't sure. cut hot dogs <laughs> is because they have a special technology that senses flesh, like hot dogs or fingers. I really... You know what? It just gives me a great peace of mind just knowing that when Brett or Jesse are in the shop and I hear this the, the table saw running, I just don't have the same kind of, oh, I hope it works out okay kind of feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, it's a fantastic table saw. If you want to see it in action, I used it for my bamboo French cleat project and it cut really well. I used it again on this recent commission and I'm more than paid for the table with this one table commission that I built with it. So, highly recommended. I got the contractor saw. It's in kind of in about the sort of like fifteen hundred to two thousand range. It's called a contractor saw, but it really is a like it's in between. It's when I think of yeah. contractor saws, I'm yeah, thinking think of things a with a plastic saw. base this isn't that it's like no got a lot of steel a lot of cast iron and it works fantastic real clean easy to adjust and it's got some cool features and the for like the sliding tracks and all that kind of cool stuff so check out SawStop. they've been a great supporter of the podcast and we appreciate them
1: yep links are in the show notes as always back to the show
2: all right we got some questions
0: all right, so we'll pick back up with some questions we still have not got through them. So
2: we only need to do a couple because I got a long one for things I'm obsessed with.
0: Okay. Oh, do you? The last one I remember seeing was, "Do you know Bob from I like to make stuff?" So we answered that. Uh, somebody Bob. asked, "Do you take interns?" I don't know who, which one of us they're Good asking. Question. Do you guys get that question before, from time to time?
2: I don't too often. Like interns are 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 tricky. The I did when I was in Boston, I discourage free interns. In general, I think it's just a messy situation for all parties. It's one thing that if you have kind of like an open workshop hours where people can come kind of watch and hang out or sort of like an open studio, which is what a lot of artists do, where people can kind of come pick your brain. That's one thing. But I don't like the idea that. So it's it's tricky. What What free internships, when I first experienced them was right after college for architecture school. And what was happening is the best, the most prestigious architecture firms in the world would have these internships that were free, but you're working for like a world famous great architect. You know who ends up getting those internships? Rich kids. Because mm. like <laughs> their parents will pay to have them, you know, live in France or 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 wherever it is in these these amazing cities where these famous architects live. And they can have an apartment. They can have these things. And so they were sort of looking at it from their perspective, like, oh, I'm just working for free to to get ahead and learn. But I don't really like the word privilege because I think it gets used too much. But there's any number of reasons that I think it's like pretty flawed. Now, apprenticeships, I think, are an amazing thing where you mm-hmm. can learn on the job and provide value, make a living and develop skills. So I'm a big fan of apprenticeships, internships. They can be a little bit exploitive at times. And, you know, if, it's also just when, when people have offered to help for free to learn, it's really hard to tell them what to do, right? Yeah. And <laughs> their reliability isn't always great. So I, I like work to be transactional. I like it to be more than that. But I like to have that as like a backbone for structure.
0: Yeah. I always think whenever somebody asks me about this is like, you would have to also almost specifically do what I do for it to, for them to get value out of it. Because it's not like I'm a, you know, if you wanted to just learn woodworking, it's not like I'm a furniture shop pumping out three new pieces every week. The pace is a lot slower. The, just in terms of like what we put out, the pace of working on each thing is going to be slower because we're filming it all during the process. So I feel like it, it could be valuable if you wanted to do exactly this, but if you just wanted to learn woodworking or just learn video editing or, or one of the specific things I do, you'd probably be much better served by somebody other than me.
2: Yeah. So I'm not against it. I just, my experience that it often sounds better than it actually is for, for all parties working yeah. for free.
1: I was an intern one time. How'd yeah. that go? Yeah. Right when I turned 16, I interned for a record label. Mm. It was a country music label in Oklahoma. And they had like a couple of local acts that were very busy. You know what I mean? Like no one ever popped Mm. off of their label or got successful, quote unquote. But they kept their acts really busy. And it was an interesting peek into the music business because I I knew I was going to go to school for music production. And so... I kind of saw a little bit of what you were talking about, Ben, where I was just unpaid labor for a lot of time because this was back in the day. Well, this was back in the day where they should have been doing more things that was Internet heavy and promotion on the Internet, but they were kind of doing old school you know, marketing when it comes to the music business. And so what I would, would do is go there and for like six hours, I would make envelopes of promo packs to send to radio stations with like a CD, mm. who the band is, close it up, send it to Mark at 1099, the cat, you know, so he could spin it. <laughs> and so there was a point in time, K-A-T-T, you mm. know. Gotcha. <laughs> K S I R, you know whatever they are, and so there was that part of the internship where I was like, okay, this sucks, right? Because that is not fun to do. The other interns were cool, and so you know it was a chill enough atmosphere. It wasn't anything that I was upset with. But the thing that I was able to do was I was able to run sound with for their bands. So I was like 16 or 17. I had just got my license, but I was going to all of their like bar gigs because that was most of what they were doing, like on a Monday through Friday. And then Saturday, Sundays is when you did like, you know, your shows for your yourself. Mm-hmm. But they you would you would do bar gigs Monday through Friday to pay the bills so everyone could pay rent. And then and then in the weekends you would do your act. And so I was getting the opportunity to get into bars to run sound and then just be the DJ for the whole night where I wouldn't have been able to even be inside of the building otherwise. And so I always saw it as like a double-edged sword. I did it for like a little over a year where I was like paying my dues by filling out these promo packs and making sure that, you know, just being a gopher at times, you know what I mean? Not doing anything particularly interesting or something that I was learning directly from. But doing that nonsense got me the opportunity to, you know run sound for a live band in front of people mm-hmm. at an age where everyone else is still in high school. Yeah, So it got me to do shit that I couldn't have done otherwise. So it's one of those things. Yeah. I kind of got a good experience out of it, but, you know, I did it for like a year and I got what I got out of it. Right. You know, I don't think... I don't I don't know if I would recommend it to somebody else because it's so impossible to know what their situation is and what they want out of the experience. Right. I, th-
2: I think it's just so easy to say yes to a free labor because it's free. Right. Yeah. And it's if you're on the labor side and you just want to get experience, it can be easy to sort of offer it because you just want to get your foot in the door and learn. But what happens then isn't always, you know, there there's tons of exceptions. And I've I've had some good internships and I've worked for free for, for people in, in order to, to learn. But what I feel like tends to happen, but doesn't always happen, is that if somebody's working for you for free, you don't really think necessarily that hard about how you want to utilize them. Yeah. Like you just throw something to keep them busy because it's you're not paying them. So anything that they do is kind of good. We're even just minimum wage or just a really low hourly thing. It just puts just enough intentionality that you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to think of how they're going to be useful to me. So, I think just you can definitely undersell your stuff to also get education and benefit, and I would definitely take less money to work for somebody that I would really that I could really learn from than take the most money for someone that I think sucks, right? But yeah, in general, be careful with the kind of free internships
1: yeah. I would say the same thing is be yeah. skeptical and be aware of what you are being not like utilized for, but like understand where you're fitting in the puzzle from other people's perspectives. Right. Are you just a tool to be taken advantage of, or are you learning things that are worthwhile from people who are worth learning things from? Yeah.
0: Yeah. My advice is just go watch the movie, either the intern or the internship. I can't remember which one's which, <laughs> and I've actually never yeah. seen either. of Robert but, but, De Niro. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. And then the other one's like, luke wilson or something or owen wilson oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they're like at google i don't know which one's which but anyway somebody wants to know here this should be a quick one it's a good one how many sit-ups do you think ben can do so it's not matt how many sit-ups can he do it's how many do we think he All right, can do so i don't do sit-ups well <laughs> hang on this is not a question for you though yeah, this, is, this is, how many is a question for us clearly you do.
1: how many do i think you could do yeah and before, is this in his life? Well, like what until happens, he dies? But, that's what I was going to say. What happens when you do too many sit ups? Because, as far as up. I understand it, there's just a point where you decide to stop doing yeah, it. I've never seen anybody
0: go to Will your body your just not sit-ups. go back
1: down at some point or will it stay stuck? Will you cramp up in a, it in a just fetal hurts position? So bad, you'd
0: be
2: like, no more. Yeah, a sit up is not a very good test of abdominal strength. In, a better one is if you're hanging from a pull up bar, how long can you hold your knees up? Hmm. Yes. Like how many? Or if you do how knee many lifts. seconds? Because it is seconds. It's definitely not a lot of minutes. <laughs> but it's funny. I don't do any ab exercises. That for me, like I think core exercises come from just being active. Picking up a sheet of plywood, moving a bag of concrete. You know, unloading a truck full of two by fours, digging a hole in the ground. All those things are using your your trunk. These like multi-joint. Pumping
1: a nice lady. (laughs) Core strength, baby.
2: Core strength. (laughs) All those things. All those things. Mike's things included. So it's really just like you don't get abs from... Setups, you get them from just not having anything over them, <laughs> like
1: oh, yeah. that. Really is the key and and to it's it. it's
2: included. Yeah. It's all. When people say it's ninety percent food, it is ninety percent food. Like, it still blows my mind that I see. I don't want to say fat, but just like a little bit chubby guys taking protein powder. If if you feel like you're not as lean as you want. You should never be worrying about eating extra protein because that protein, if you're if it if you're consuming more calories than you're burning, you're adding fat. Doesn't matter if it's protein. Then you're storing them somewhere. If it's sugar, doesn't matter. You talk to any nutritionist; they'll break it down to you. It's calories in and calories out. If you want to lose weight, you burn more calories than you consume. It's easy to exercise. It's hard to say no to food in a country that has food,
0: national holidays, every day,
2: everywhere, all around us.
0: Yeah,
1: not to mention when you take into the account of calories that you burn per hour of exercising versus calories taken oh in God. per minute when you eat. Yeah, you can you can, you can really eat a thousand calories in like 10, oh. 20 minutes. You could eat a thousand calories in a half hour easily. Oh, yeah, but it would take you an entire a day milkshake? of exercising
2: to burn that I off. I can drink a milkshake in less than a minute.
1: Oh man, and that's seven hundred and fifty calories or something
2: probably. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah, it's it's all about eating less and that's why I think it's it's funny like I think fitness is much more psychological at least on the kind of like aesthetic version of it than anything else because it's really figuring out a way to get comfortable and still enjoy life by saying no to things that are tasty and delicious.
0: Well, hang yeah. on Pretty much. One second. I do have the perfect answer for this question the way it was yeah. posed. It's how many sit ups? Oh, how many well, sit ups? You can't be wrong because it's just how many we think. But I would say he can do one.
1: Yeah. Because it doesn't I say do how one. many
0: would he fail at. So,
1: yeah. Dang, there Chris, you you're so right. Wait, no. I'm going to say 100. I know you can do 100. This is Price's is Rights, Chris. Oh, yeah. Well, mm. no one, one. You never do $1, Bob, if you're the first yeah, you guy. Because the next so person's going to say. two. Two
0: dollars, Bob. Yeah, pull upside the yeah, better I cast. Yeah, I will say I've gotten a couple comments lately. I don't get a ton of them, but like I occasionally they're get getting jacked. No, the opposite. Oh, okay. People, I know. Like somebody commented the other day that said, "Be honest, <laughs> can you bench press 135 pounds?" <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't bench pressed in like 15 years, and I used to do more than that. I'm sure I'd have to like get back in, you know used to doing it. I do 100 push-ups at night before I go you, for a then walk. Then you can. Then you can. Yeah, I would probably just... Use
1: the game. 100 push-ups is really good. What are you doing? Sets of 20 or 25?
0: No, I usually do like 60 right off the bat. And then I rest for like a co- like two minutes and then I do the other 40. Mm. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's great. I've been... So this is my new regime. I only do it three days a week and that's it. Like I... I Mike, mean, remember you tried that pre-workout mix, right?
1: Listen, if anybody doesn't know about pre-workout, just really quick, this is one of those <laughs> asides that I'm here for. So pre-workout is the, it's a powder that you would put into your protein shake, or you can just put it in water and drink it. But it's the equivalent of drinking 10 coffees without any of the bad parts where you get shaky and have your brain kind of like firing off too aggressively. You just get all of the power-packed energy that 10 cups of coffee would no
2: downside
0: and is it the type of thing that like if you did it every day that it would you'd like build up an immunity to it or yeah
2: Yeah. okay so i only do it three days a week so i wake up it's right by my bed i drink it and it takes about 45 minutes to to activate then i just go work out and i work out (laughs) outside so that means i'm like outside lifting weights for just 20 minutes that's it
0: you're just going nuts for those 20 minutes
2: if I do that like every like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, one, it's like the physical activity that early means I'm going to fall asleep really easily that night. And it's also because you're getting like daylight at the same time. So if you get exposure to the sun, do something physically active at like eight o'clock in the morning, or even earlier, by the time it's like eight or nine o'clock that night, you're just like, you're done. It, like cause I guess it starts, I was listening to that guy, uh, Andrew Huberman, who's mm-hmm. fantastic on, on all these things. And he was talking about like sleep cycles. And if you're having trouble sort of falling asleep, just doing that a couple times a week. And so I space it out every other day, which means that at least three days a week, I'll be having a good sleeping schedule. And then that kind of like bleeds into the whole week. So it's like kind of like a stopgap every yeah. other day.
1: You have a uh, other yeah, day Yeah, because reset. going to bed... Going to bed early that day helps you wake up early the next. Yes. Yeah. and so it's more easily. It's yeah, it's
2: only twenty minutes, three times a week, and it's just enough to kind of keep things maintained.
1: Just do your one setup. Yeah, that is a
0: good point. Call it a day,
1: and it also helps. Like if you wake up, you know, get right after it, right after it with a quick workout. Whatever time it is, earlier the better, obviously. But it just kickstarts your day. Right. So instead of like waking up being groggy, fiddling around for a little bit, doing this, that, and then finally taking a shower and getting your day started. Actually taking a little bit of time, 20 minutes, whatever it is, 15. Yeah. Doing some exercising is actually more time efficient in a lot of ways because you exercise, hop in a shower, dressed, ready
2: to go. And you're awake You're, away, you're too. kind of way more snappy. Right. Yep, exactly. So look, it's, if like fitness was my job, I think I could work out every day. But if it's not your job, it's hard to do something That's not exactly, that's healthy, but not exactly fun every single day. Like doing something every day starts to feel like a a prison sentence or something. But every other day, three out of the seven days, not too bad.
1: Yep. Awesome. Chris, let's do one more question before we go to our obsessions.
0: Okay. Let me, let me get that Instagram back open.
1: (laughs) It's crazy. We are talking about all this physical fitness because today I started my next project and I'm making concrete I weight boom, plates in that. a two by four, b- and a two by four squat rack. Let's go. Bench press, squat rack combo.
0: I'll get over there and I'll do. I'll put up one thirty-five.
2: One bucket.
1: Well, I made I made a sixty-pound concrete weight plate, or I made two sixty-pound concrete weight plates today. As long as they come out of the mold successfully. You did them in buckets, right? Five-gallon buckets. I was about to say I will have what's a bar? Thirty-five pounds? Yeah, 40. 45. forty-five. Forty-five, so one twenty plus forty-five. I got one sixty-five. That's more than I weigh. Hey, let's go. That's (laughs) awesome. Well, we might be able to max you. you, We we might get that max rep. Uh, (laughs) I also got some. I also got some ten-quart containers, which are two and a half gallon. So I think those are going to end up making thirty-pound
2: weight plates.
0: Word up! I, I word up. I think we might have hit the end of them.
2: All right. Well, I got. I got a good obsession.
0: Okay, let's hear
2: it. Oh, okay. You guys know the YouTuber William Osman? Yeah. Yes. He did a video called, like, I'm done. Do you see that one? mm I haven't. It's his most recent one. It was interesting. I, I've heard people recommend him before, and I... But, like, I don't... I like Mark Rober a lot, and I'll watch a video here or there, but I don't enjoy too much of that type of content. If I want to watch something smart, I'm going to, like actually read the source material or the book not get the sort of uh filtered version of it i either want something to be entertaining or i want it to be like all the way sort of educational the the mixture is just not i think it's really important that people do it and i love that there's people out there doing it and i totally respect them but it's just not normally what i enjoy consuming
1: what was the essence of his video the one titled i'm done it was
2: kind of like he was just expressing like he was very careful not to complain but he was just expressing i would say part burnout, part like dealing with the sort of pressure of like maintaining this like huge channel. And like, you know, he doesn't do videos every week. It's like each video has to be great and get all these Mm, views. Yeah. And then part of just dealing with like the negativity of comments. And it was really sad. He brought like uh, a bunch of other kind of big YouTubers into it. He interviewed like uh, Simone Gertz and all these other people. It's, I think it's a really good thing for people to watch if they really like watching a lot of YouTubers and they kind of are curious what they actually feel like sometimes. And this isn't everybody. He doesn't speak for everyone. There was some some points that he made that I completely identified with that he just like expressed in a way that was like, oh, I felt that exact same way that he's describing there was other things that he talked about that I'm like, nope, I've never felt that because I don't do things that way. But he brought up this thing that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about because I, I like we all get tired and run down at times. But when I talk to you guys, I know you guys fairly well. I don't really get a sense of burnout from you guys that I often get from other YouTubers. And it's not something that I really feel. People go, "Oh, do you do you feel that burnout that other YouTubers get?" And I was trying to think like I was talking to Jesse about it. I'm like, "What is it about me, Mike, and Chris where we don't often don't have that kind of that sort of burned out sense?" Like, uh, <laughs> and for, for myself, it was you know about two years ago my YouTube rep was saying like, Oh, you know, you really got to put more of your personality into your stuff. You're just doing these projects. And I was like,
0: mm, meh.
2: and it was funny when I was like watching this William Osmond video, it was like, he's like, Oh, and they're, you know, they're talking about my wife and my life. And it's like, well, it's like, you know, I'm not blaming the the victim here, but it's like, you kind of, you put it's all you, the stuff you if put you in put there, those things in there, right? Like you're going to, it starts to do it. And, it's very enticing and it certainly makes sense to because the stronger the connection with the audience, the more likely they are to subscribe and keep coming back and watching. But I think with like, with Chris, you just seem so comfortable in like just doing what you want to do. (laughs) Mike, Mike, I know, right? You just do what you want to do. Chris does. <laughs> like,
1: I don't know about and, me, but I know Chris. Yeah. yeah, I look at Chris and you're, you're a chilling dude in the way that like you really are just like pursuing the things you want. And we've had that conversation on the podcast some too, Whoa. where it's like not chasing the virality of some of the content that you've made in the past, but instead focusing on the things that are, well, just rewarding from a design and building perspective to you. Right, I
0: mean, yeah, we have talked about that. And I think that that, does help definitely keep me sane like a lot of the things that i've done over the past two years have been in an effort to make it feel more sustainable to me long term in terms of not getting burnt out and i don't even know if burnout is the right word i think it's more like i would call it just like getting jaded and i think people get like i think almost no matter what your job is how good it is after a certain amount of time like you'll have moments of being jaded about it and so, like, yeah. I've always tried to make my environment a way where I get as unjaded as I can and I stay happy and excited and thankful to be doing it. And even if it's not like that 100% of the time, I find that, like, you know, there's moments of downtimes, but, like, I can step away and be like, you know what? I'm building shit and making videos about it for my job now, and that's fucking awesome.
2: My. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my experience and this isn't a a universal fact, but what it seems to me is that burnout tends to happen when you start treating a platform whether it's YouTube or Instagram, when you start treating them like the boss instead of a tool. When it becomes like the sole end goal is like that apparatus. And it's an apparatus that we use but we don't fully control. We've all gone through periods where the algorithm changed or this isn't working or what, why is this different now? Thumbnails are different. You can switch them. So,
1: And sometimes it just feels like you're on a
2: hot streak yeah.
1: despite like, you know, you feel like you're putting good content out and it's performing fantastic. Other times you feel like you're putting good content out and it's just not getting the traction that you would expect. Mm-hmm. So
2: I want to recommend the video for two reasons. One, if you're a content creator, I think there's a lot of things to to empathize from it, and it's also just a well done video. And if you're a viewer of content, as you, as you probably are, I think it's an interesting insight into some vulnerabilities that you don't always see from a a mega creator.
1: Well, that's cool. I'm gonna it's, check it's good, it out. Yeah, I sent it to you. I was gonna say I'm definitely not impervious to have. I don't. I would say burnout isn't something that I would use to describe what I felt, but fatigue is definitely right in the vein of Chris, where you've been at, where it's just like, when you have opportunities and you want to honor your opportunities, well, then you say yes to a lot of things. And so once your propensity to be prolific turns into a situation where you're now obligated to do that, to where like, yeah, it just shifts the it just shifts the whole dynamic to where what you were doing was the thing that set you apart. Working harder than everyone else it's the thing that you take pride in. It's the thing that you attribute to making you part of part of your uniqueness. I don't know. I'm kind of getting side, having a hard time getting it.
2: So I think there's kind of two things that can happen. I I don't really. It's never one to one. Like I read a bad comment and mm. then I feel bad, right? Like, like sometimes I'll laugh, sometimes I'll be annoyed, but it's the anticipation of it sometimes can remove the joy, right? So like getting burned out isn't just, it's not just something bad happens to you or you're exhausted. It can also mean that something's happening to diminish the part of your work that you typically enjoy. If you don't just have to add punishment, if you reduce reward, you can lose motivation. So I think that's another thing that happens as well. It's not the burnout from, I'm working so much, I'm doing a million things and a bunch of bad stuff happened and now I'm exhausted. Sometimes is you get used to things that were so exciting, things that were monumental victories that you celebrated, that you took time off to go have dinner and drinks with friends because I hit this milestone or this good thing happened. As those things become more common, sometimes the burnout doesn't come from a bad thing. It comes from getting immune or too mm. used to the good things yeah. to the point like where no they, don't, it they don't They don't. feel as good. Right.
1: Yeah, and really shout out to William Osmond because he's one of the creators that are able to post a video expecting over a million views every time. And, you know, we're all in that space where it's, you know, I think we all expect around 100,000 views. And when we cross over into a million, it's like, oh man, pleasantly surprised. That's awesome. Yeah. And so... That idea of celebrating a video going over a million views, that's something that I'm always happy when I notice that a video crossed it or I notice that a video is like on the trajectory to do it. It's like awesome. You know, that's cool because it doesn't happen every time I post. But with William, shout out to him, because every time he posts, he gets a million or a few million views. And so, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying, Ben. That's a good way of putting it, because if you just posted something that got four million views, all of a sudden this video with a million and a half views looks like a stinker. Right. But that was that's something crazy to celebrate. That's an awesome achievement whenever you're not looking at it relative to every other thing that you've posted. And not giving yourself time to celebrate that success for sure. Yeah. But I haven't seen the video, so I definitely don't want to cast any judgment or anything. I'm excited to hear his insight. Yeah. Because it's, it's cool. Anytime you get to hear from people that are in our space because we're, we're also doing the same thing, but he's also at a whole nother tier of yeah. audience size compared to me. So it's great. Cause maybe it's some things to watch out for, you know what I'm trying and to yeah, say? I,
2: I think there's some lessons. And I think anytime somebody that's a good communicator expresses a certain amount of vulnerability in a sincere, not kind of self-serving way, it's worth a listen.
1: Yeah. And I haven't expressed like burnout exactly, but maybe fatigue is more yeah. accurate. But I also haven't reached the levels that someone like William Osmond has. So for me to say like, oh, yeah, I haven't had like burnout per se. I've just had times where it's just been a lot. You know, it's been a lot to manage. That's not to say that that doesn't come with time and things like this happening or similar things that have happened to him. So shout out to him. Yeah,
2: good stuff. Check it out. Yep.
1: Awesome. Chris, what's your obsession this week? Have you watched anything new? I'll, I'll
0: be quick. So this is actually something that I'm just kind of excited for that's coming out, which is you guys know about a year ago, I had bought an iPad and then I got this piece of software called Procreate that I like to draw in. Yeah. And so they're coming out with an update to it, 5.2. And there's not a ton of information out there yet, but they're introducing 3D models to it. So apparently it sounds like you can import a 3D model in there and then you can, kind. it's kind of like rendered in it. Like the things that they've shown look really good. It's just got like a skateboard and a roller skate and a soda can that like people, but you can actually like draw on the three dimensional surface within the program as if it was a 2D surface. So it looks really fun and I'm excited for it to come out and to play with it. But then I'm also fearful that it's like, oh, you have to have the newer iPad pro for it to work or something. And then I'm like. Oh, no, no. Now I have to buy a new iPad.
1: Speaking of new Apple uh, products, how about that new MacBook? Have you yeah. seen this? Are you
0: guys going to get them? Because you yep. guys... Oh, you do I have, have a desktop, right, Ben?
2: Yeah.
1: But I, I, I use I'm my desktop. I'm not going to be getting it right away, but I'm not going to be so upset when it's time to upgrade. Yeah. You know, mine's still working I mean, pretty good, so great. I don't need to waste money or anything. It looks fantastic. Ben, you said you're gonna get it. I'm excited to hear your feedback. We'll have to we'll have to give the listeners a little is it worth it?
2: Yeah, and I'm giving Jesse one too. Her laptop's on its last leg, so yeah.
1: Well, hey, it's a 4K editing machine. Like it'll take it'll take 4K footage and edit it like it's 720 on the the the, the previous model. So I'm yeah, I'm waiting the, for
0: them to come out with the the iMac version. Like I, you know, I was gonna order yeah. one
2: and then not not the newest one, but the the previous one, and mm. cause I was my keyboard's all messed up because I was using it for CNCing and it got sawdust in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's old anyway, so it's like it's it's time. But
0: oh, now it can just be the CNC controller.
2: Yeah, just like Ooh. the, the
0: go to one. It was like a three the shop week computer lead, lead yeah.
2: time for the old one because I want to get it Dang. with like the laptop with like a with three terabytes of storage, just because I like or a yeah, lot yeah, of storage. Except-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and was that before the new one came out that you were yeah. going to do that? Yeah. Oh, so that was like kind of like... Two weeks ago, yeah. I
2: like just checked it out to see how long it would take. And it was like three weeks. And I was like, ah. Oh, well,
1: that's a really good coincidence. Yeah, because now, the new models, <laughs> yeah.
2: they brought back the SD card.
1: They brought back USB. They brought back everything that they took away. And they even got rid of that dang touch bar. Hey, come on. I have that. I'm not... I don't hate the touch bar. I was going to say, I'm the one person that will... I mean, I'm not gonna like it's not a hill that I'm gonna die on no. defending the touch bar or anything, but I don't think it's that bad, and every once in a while, I like the functionality of it,
0: yeah, I don't mind it either. It just like seems like it was something that other people never really adopted, and then because they I just guess really hate Apple for like gimmicky things so much, and it's like the gimmicky thing that they did, I guess, yeah. People might
1: end up missing it because I do use it to zoom around or scrub around on my project's timeline in Final Cut. If I have a long video, you can see, because it's kind of Mm color-coded, where you're at in the timeline. And so you can just bounce around much easier on a video that's like eight to 20 minutes long on a short video. None of that matters, but on a long one, it's kind of like a visual index,
0: right? Yeah. It's one of those things that probably like, if it had been adopted and utilized more widely, people would find value in it for, so for somebody that does edit video, it's easy to find it. Cause like, yeah, I do a ton on my desktop of zoom out to get to this part of the video and then zoom in so I can work on it and then do it again where it's like if you had something like that to just be able to touch it and be like okay now I'm to that like 3 minute area where yeah. I need to be at yeah, that's that's a time saver
1: and then there's another thing it is infinite adjustability on volume and brightness mm. i don't want 10 stops right, right, of right. volume i want infinite options like i want 10 point or I, you know i don't want to put it on 6 i want to put it on
0: 6.3 or 6.37
1: or 3.674.
0: Nice. Or 3.14. Miner. Or. Ah. <laughs> or cat or whatever it was called. The cat.
1: Yeah. 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 Whatever your favorite radio station is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do an obsession this week and I want to shout out some YouTube woodworking. I'm actually been watching quite a bit of it this week. I've not only been putting your guys' video just on the TV, letting them play, giving you guys that watch time, mm. but I've been watching a lot of John Malecki's videos. Let's go, I'm always Big up John. to date with Big John, I'm always up to date with what John Malecki is building. Obviously on Instagram he's sharing and this man knows how to make a thumbnail. And so I was just catching up on a few that I had missed. And he's been doing quite a few floating tables. I know we've talked about a couple on the podcast, but he just did Uh, one that was top notch. It's basically a wooden tornado. If I could describe it that way for the table base. And it just ended up looking really cool. And I want to give him a big shout out for just his, just him on camera. He just keeps getting better and better and better and better. And HGTV doesn't know what to do. They're not going to ever get people that are as good as you are, Chris, as you are, Ben, as John Malecki is, as Medustrial Maker is, as any of us are. I'm not even putting myself in that box. I'm putting all you guys in that box.
0: like Mike, I'll put you in the box so that you don't have to do it on your own. All this
1: stuff— Thanks brother. All the stuff that all, all the projects that people are building on YouTube, like the quality, the crazy and the personality and production behind it. It's all there. Like everything that sucks about TV is right here on YouTube uh, in the maker community. And it's so cool to see, cause we're all going to be, keep getting more resources. We're all going to keep scaling. So my big shout out this week is John Malecki. Solid if you don't watch his channel, one. you should. Yeah, big love from the fame. Boom. Thank you, big time, for listening to the episode. If you have any topics, questions, or ideas on what we should talk about, let us know. You can find us on Instagram. Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture. Ben is at Benjamin Ueda, U Y E D A. And I am, ooh, I almost said at Mike Montgomery, but I
0: wonder who that is. Mm, I wonder who has that player? handle. Isn't there a baseball player that's a Mike Montgomery?
1: There is, but what are the chances he was lucky he enough to get it, it too? It's probably, probably just some PR guy in Tennessee. Buy
0: it or something.
1: Yeah, it's probably one of the other 10,000 Mike <laughs> yeah, Montgomery's walking around out there. Yeah, but you can find me at Modern Builds. That's the easiest way to reach me. Thank you, everybody, for listening and posting your projects to the Rockler Hobby Challenge. Keep sending those in. The unofficial official end date is the end of this month, but you know how it works. So start building and November. get that project done. What did you I say? month. said this month.
0: The end of, we're still in October.
1: Oh, I thought this comes out at, like, November 1st or something. When does this come out? The 28th?
0: Oh, y- Oh, yes, this episode. Sorry. Yes, derail. It's the end of November.
1: No, I was wrong, bro. Yeah, it's the end of November. Okay. Either way, I'm going to do this outro a little bit cleaner. Be sure to check out the hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge and enter. Build something cool. Make it related to something that you like to do other than building stuff. And then post your project on Instagram or YouTube using the hashtag that's all you got to do to enter. We've got some cool prizes and a link uh, to rockler.com where there's some more info and like all the prizes. That'll be down there as always. But I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. We appreciate you guys listening as always. And we will see, well, we won't see you, but you'll, you'll hear, hear us from next us next time on the Modern Maker <laughs> podcast. Bye, everybody. Well, Bye. Right. I could not wrap that one up. <laughs> yeah, Holy wrapped. cow. It's
0: wrapped. <laughs>
1: I know. It's like I felt like I closed it seven it times, back but I was like, I still have something else to say. The hobby minute? challenge. Also. Oh no! You find us on Instagram. Oh no!
0: Something else. We're on TikTok. Here's my address. <laughs> Come say hi. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Oh man, that was a fun episode. Boom.
2: All those things. All those things. Mike's things included.